So, a couple of interesting games this week. Yeah, uh, I was going to respond to something that you said in the first take of your attempt to record the intro, but you didn't actually say it in the final take. So, because <laughs> you initially described these as two contrasting games, and I was going to say they weren't really, were they? They were no. quite similar games with very contrasting outcomes. Yes, I think that's a fair analysis, yeah. If, if United's game against Juve had finished, what, at 80 minutes or whenever we got the equaliser then we'd probably been talking about it in the same way we talked about the first game, which was a 1-0 thrashing. Yeah. As it happened, it didn't quite work out like that. So uh, who gets the credit for this one? Was this Juve switching off? Was this Mourinho's master substitutions? Uh, a bit of bit of Fellaini magic? Well, I do think that Mourinho's substitutions made a really positive impact. And given how much stick we give Mourinho on the show, we should definitely... I mean, maybe it's a little results-oriented, but it, but it definitely made a huge difference. Um but if Juve hadn't been complacent in that game or if Dybala's shot had been a couple of inches lower or, you know, or you, you said, Hamin, this is this is now becoming the absolute queen of the rank cast drinking game. And that is the uh, the football is in the details um, and Mourinho ball is certainly in the details, isn't it? Because uh, I don't think that it's particularly reasonable to say that on the balance of the 90 minutes of that game, United fully deserved to win. Um, well, no. you can say they deserved to win because Juve didn't take their chances. But and what you and can't United say, did. Yeah, yeah sort of. exactly. But what you can't say is that over the 90 minutes, United were consistently better than Juventus. Because if you think that, then you're just a crazy person. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Juve clearly the classier side, used the ball better, were dominant for you know most of the 86 minutes until uh, when Mata spanked one in, and 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 this really was about the details, wasn't it? You know, if if Mata hadn't scored a worldie from the free kick or Juve hadn't switched off from admittedly uh, a captain's cross, um, then then United wouldn't have won and, and didn't deserve to win at all. And I, I think it mirrored a lot of the first game in, in which you've got a, a mature and very good Juve side who will be, you know, I presume, getting towards the later stages of the Champions League and the United side, who I presume probably won't be. Um, so, But, you know, it, like all that aside... Uh, it was a great, it was a great win, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it was uh, so exciting. Yeah, and and uh, uh, just the drama of scoring those you know, two goals in the last five minutes, uh, and the fact that there were so many United fans there making such a uh, racket throughout the game. You know, huge amount of credit to to those guys. Smaller stadium than Delhi Alpi as well, um, which which means they really were heard, uh, and the team responded and. Uh, you know, I, I guess there's there's something we can say about character and spirit of pushing for the end, and we can probably debunk any uh, any lasting talk of the players not playing for Mourinho uh, because they're they're making a habit of scoring late goals to win games, and uh, which is really important. It's still not a good team, and it wasn't <laughs> a good performance. It was an interesting lineup. Um, the was it was. Unless I've much mistaken, it was a front three of Sanchez, Rashford, and Martial, wasn't it? For the the first however many minutes before the substitution Lingard. started happening. Oh yes, not Rashford, but Lingard, who, who didn't, didn't have a great game, really. 
No, he didn't. And he played against City as well, didn't he? And again, didn't have a particularly great game. Um, Bandit Nana, who does some covers for uh, UWS, tweeted, uh, what United really need to do here is bring on Der Spiegel for Lingard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, we'll get on to that because I, I yeah. suspect there'll be plenty of uh, listening questions about <laughs> that particular side of the game. Uh, the, um, on, on the pitch, of course, you know, we haven't really talked about it yet, but uh, a certain Mr Ronaldo... Uh, uh, scored the goal to put Juve into the lead. And uh, what a hit that was. It was an absolutely unbelievable goal. Just right out of the all-time football great top draw. Like, the number of players in the game that would even attempt that, let alone, like, proper back themselves to do it and have the technique and talent to do it. He's a... He's a, I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world to say, but he really is a generational talent. And 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 I think he's been, uh, I don't know, that. I think there's something interesting about watching him play for Juve. There's a sort of, maybe it's just against United he wants to do it, but there's a, there's a certain youthfulness to his play again. There's a kind of, I don't know, a certain kind of vivacity to it um, and a bit of flair that maybe was missing at some points at Madrid or maybe I was just biasing myself against him for reasons. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, I mean, just, just a stunning strike. I, I think almost any other player on the planet uh, either doesn't quite get to it uh, because, of course, you know, coming over your shoulder, it's really hard to time that uh, or it bounces off their shins or they sky it or, or you know, it's a, a little dribble back to the keeper. But he's absolutely thumped that and uh, nothing De Gea could do about it, even though he beats him his near post. Sort of. There's going to be quite a lot of De Gea talk, I guess, on this episode um, and him being beaten at his near post. Um, I, I, United were very bright for the first 10 minutes of this game. In a way, it, I mention this all the time, whenever we're bright for 10 minutes, I think about the Champions League final of 2011 where we were so good for the first 10 minutes. So it's not long enough, is it? We were really good for the first 10 minutes and the last five minutes of that game, but the 75 minutes in between. Uh, we looked lost. Pogba was absolutely terrible now whether he was already carrying some of the injury that kept him out of the city game or whether it was the emotion of the occasion that got to him um proper stink stinking up the joint maybe maybe one or two really nice passes in that whole game but a lot of pretty average stuff uh Matic remains undropped we talked last week about maybe the time would come uh it has not yet come and boy is it overdue oh it really is yeah I mean, Pogba definitely didn't have a good game. He he had the better game of the three central midfielders, I'd say. But there's you know it's a pretty low bar that one. Uh, Matic absolutely stinks the place out all the time. I mean, he couldn't get anywhere near Pjanic and Kadira for for most of that game. Uh, Herrera, you're looking for him to really mix it up, and you know what does he bring you? If it's not a bit of wasn't any of that, although he did get booked, didn't he? Um, it's it just wasn't enough from United. Really, really meek for almost all of that game, but not the uh, five minutes that really counted. So, um, yeah, and, and Mourinho loved it, of course. Uh, it's you know, the winning games like that is is just affirmation for Mourinho of everything he does is right, and uh, it's it's just you know the ultimate cynical manager who needs the those little details to go his way in order to get what he wants uh, it's, it's so long since we've seen a Mourinho special him pulling out a tactical masterclass to 
to beat someone. And barely, barely happened during his time at United at all, just a few occasions. This wasn't one of them. You know, yeah. United set up. Um, with the, it may have been a, a, front, a front three, but in, in all honesty, there's almost a football field of gap between the front three and the rest of the team. And, and we'll come on to that against City because it was an even bigger problem there. Uh, and and you know he's hoping for a, he's hoping for a, a draw out of that. That's the best he's he's thinking he's going to get. And he got, he got more, but it, it's could have gone could have gone any other way. There's. Yeah, you know, what's what's the XG on that that matter free kick? I haven't like looked it up, but it's going to be tiny from there, yeah. and uh, and then a, a you know a semi freak goal to win it. Yeah, I mean you could argue fully freak, couldn't you? Because it comes flapping off the keeper, bumps onto Bonucci's nose, and goes into the back of the net. The matter free kick was a thing of absolute beauty, wasn't it? Just like one nil down, FC strikes again. You know, um, really. Uh, just beautiful to watch and what a player and what a shame that his United career has been so largely wait. You know, it's defined by magical moments, isn't it? Just little, little moments of brilliance among a kind of sea of mediocrity. One matters Manchester United career. And I'm not even really talking about his performances because I think generally when he's been personally mediocre, it's been somewhat systemic. Um, but just a brilliant, brilliant free kick. And I mean, not absolutely perfect, not where the spiders live, as they say. It wasn't right in the top corner, was it? But it was... Uh, Plenty good enough. Yeah, exactly. Although uh, I think Dave might have saved it. Dave definitely would have saved it. And when they were going off the pitch together, I'm 100% sure what Dave said was, remember when I saved your one when you were at Chelsea and I was at United? Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's kind of worrying, isn't it? Because Chesney's not a good, as good a keeper as the Juve team and uh, David De Gea's out of contract soon. Rather worrying. <laughs> um, but not to worry as long as we've got Ashley Young with a captain's assist. Um he floats in the corner and Marion Fellaini is causing all manner of absolute bother in the heart of the... I mean, listen, if Marion Fellaini is content to be a last 20-minute sub, he can stay at Man United as long as he likes, as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, there was a really strange moment in the, the Mourinho press conference after the City game in which he complained about Fellaini not being fit and that if he'd had a fresh Fellaini to bring on the last 20 minutes after it got to, to 2-1, what kind of trouble could he have caused? And I was like, what? What? How did you How did you construct that logic? Anyway. It, it's Marini Inception. Marini Inception. <laughs> yeah. Marino Inception, yeah. Um, uh, the Juve win was absolutely delightful. Um, Jose gave it the the finger, the, the hand, the cupped hand, the Hulk Hogan cupped hand behind the ear at the Juve fans. People were trying to drag him off the pitch, stopping him celebrating his rightful win. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, look, clearly a little bit of there and it annoyed some of the Juve players, but, you know, no big deal. Um, although, you know, you, you might say, hmm, he, he didn't like it when he was given a bit of needle uh, against Chelsea. <laughs> Did I've got he? a raving. He had the raving needle, to be honest. He did. Um, but but like loads of United fans, obviously sharing that picture and like my manager. It's like yeah, your manager, your manager who relies 
entirely on the ball breaking in exactly the right direction for you to get any kind of results. Your manager, who uh, is so far behind his rival in the league that it looked like men against boys, your manager, who's... uh, antiquated tactical and personal approach doesn't belong anywhere near the top of the game of football yet he's fun when he kicks off Mourinho's fun when he's winning and um there's some like I don't know some sort of pleasure to be found in that snarling siege mentality but it's a complete joke when you look at where we are and how the results have come in this recent run because you have to say we talked a lot about the seven game run that was coming and he's Done all right, you know, one one lost one against Juve, drew one of the big away games in the Premier League, lost the other one, but won both the games at home that well, won both the other games, including a trip to Bournemouth, which was potentially tricky. But apart from Everton at home, we were dreadful for at least forty five minutes in all of those games. Yeah, that's right. I mean we we talked a lot about the tough run of fixtures and, and it's not been a you know, a hugely disappointing run. It's not been the kind of run that we speculated might end Mourinho's time at United. Uh, enough, enough performances and results to keep him in a job till the end of the season. I mean, you you can actually see with with Palace, Young Boys, Southampton, Arsenal. You know, will be a tough one. Fulham. Uh, you know, plenty of winnable games to come before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, pr- probably win you know, six on the trot and then totally <laughs> the bed at Anfield, which is coming up. You know, <laughs> we've got we've got that um, absolute negativity to come. Anyway, um, but you know, this the the Juve game almost capped what was you know a a, a tough month. And a pretty good, a decent series of uh, results. Unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> we have to come on to Sunday, which was uh, neither a good result nor a good performance. In fact, miles to, from it. I don't know what to say about that game. It's weird. They're miles and miles and miles and miles better than us. That's yeah. Like, but more, that, not according to Mourinho. You know, he said, uh, "I I, uh, I can criticise the uh, mistakes, but I can't criticise the performance." Eh, I well, I was thinking about this. Like, if we were political journalists, right? Wouldn't we just, if we we're not not journalists but analysts, if we were like doing a political punditry podcast, wouldn't we at some point just stop covering what Donald Trump was saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it's such nonsense? I feel like why why do we even talk about what Mourinho says because it's all. It's only narrative building. That's, that's of, course, all... of course, of course. No, and and yes, but he's the biggest story in town. And we're talking about Mourinho. Yeah, not, I mean, the analogies we make <laughs> all the time, but it's it's uh, it's just so it's it's just so stark. <laughs> um, I, I had a conversation with a colleague last week. We had a sort of leadership uh, week and a colleague was over from the, the States and he was saying, why do you talk about Donald Trump on your Twitter all the time? It's personal Twitter. It's like, I was, I was thinking of unfollowing you and I was like, yeah, all right. And his point was like, not that he was a Trumpian. He was like, I don't disagree with you, but you're just amplifying everything he says, which yeah. of course is true, you know, and I think um, the 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 press in the states tends to just repeat what he says, right? There's a few that don't. So 
you know, CNN might say Donald Trump lies about X, Y, and Z and makes false statement claiming blah, 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 you know, and, and that's probably the way that we should talk about Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Jose Mourinho <laughs> lied in his press conference about you know, Manchester United's <laughs> performance against City when United got completely battered by City, you know, much worse than the 6-1 a few years ago. <laughs> Uh, totally dominated uh, and got a, a freaky goal from a uh, penalty, which the, you know, when the goalkeeper had a brain fart. There you go. Okay, well, it's going to be difficult to do the rest of the podcast now because I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> But yeah, Jose Mourinho lied in his post-match press conference and said that United were good. But in fact, United were not good. Um, they were barely good at any point in that game. There was barely... There was just a moment when it was 2-1 where you thought, oh, here we go again because we've had these comebacks later. I mean, I was kind of joking about it with people being like, yes, we've gone 1-0 down after 12 minutes. <laughs> That's exactly where we won them. Because it kind of has been when we've performed recently. But, you know, I mean... The gulf in class between the two sides is absolutely ridiculous. You know, um, it's sort of like uh, imagined a kind of meme of someone looking kind of hopeful and optimistic. And that's like looking at the front three and going, oh, that's kind of an interesting front three. And then just the same person looking absolutely crushed. And that's someone looking at our midfield. Yeah. Because the midfield three of Herrera, Matic and Fellaini, he just looked at that and thought, well, well, if we win this game... For sure, it's going to be a fluke. Like, it's going to have been, we got super, super lucky, but we didn't. Right. I mean, uh, Guardiola went with Fernandinho, who's, you know, the, a, a very classy holding all-round midfielder. And then David Silva and Bernardo Silva, uh, who barely play in central midfield, uh, but uh, miles and miles above anything we've got, obviously. Um, David, David Silva's been playing in... Central midfield for most of the Guardiola run. Uh, uh, yeah, true, true, true. Uh, I mean, you know, just got so many flexible players and in the system that's all about flexibility that almost anyone could play in there and they'd have dominated United. I, I, I just thought it was just total condemnation of Mourinho's time at United, that, that selection. What did he expect other than being completely dominated? I mean, um, if we were beaten with him having picked say, Juan Mata, um, who could, who's the best we've got at creating something from those kind of positions, or his £50 million central midfielder, Fred, who is reportedly completely disillusioned with life at United, um, then you'd have said, OK, well, you know, United gave it a go. Instead, uh, United were completely, desperately, pathetically meek. Uh, apart from the, the penalty which, you know, is averages out at 0.76 XG. I don't know why it's 0.76, because uh, I think the actual numbers are better than that. But anyway, I don't know. Of penalties scored. We had a point, point 0.05 uh, free kick. 0.005. Yeah, 0.005. A 0.04. A 0.06. A 0.02. And a 0.02. I mean, you know, this is buying lottery tickets. And and hoping you're going to get the jackpot. Yeah. So um, you were telling me earlier that if you so we talk about XG without explaining what it is all the time, but just very 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 briefly, all it is is a statistical calculation based on the type of chance, the the location on the pitch, and various other things. I don't believe that the XG numbers are correct in that 
they're exactly right, you know. No, no, no. I mean, and, and, and there's, there's plenty. I mean, listeners will be able to go read up on what the model is and, and also the criticism of it. Um, it's a statistical model. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the, the thing is, based on that statistical model, which which is a really good sort of um, quick glance overview at quality of chances created, uh, you were saying that United would have had to play 13 games to have a around a 95% chance of having scored one goal. Yeah, yeah. So the XG uh, would have to play five times to be expected to score a goal, but actually, at a you know, given given the types of chances and the XG of each of those chances for a ninety five percent confidence level, thirteen games. It was noted on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I've forgotten the handle now, which, which is uh, yeah, <laughs> a fair summary of the yeah <laughs> nerds. Yeah, you get back in your dark hole. Uh, fair summary of the total massive. Golf in class. I mean, to be fair to City, they did actually not create huge XG for the amount of chances they created. United blocked a hell of a lot of shots yeah. in that game. Um, so I, I suppose you could say that was some good defending or desperate. Um, but but domination everywhere. Domination tactically, domination in terms of the outlook, obviously in terms of possession and goals and chances and the quality of players and the quality of goals as well. Uh, Jose Mourinho did not lie when he said that um, one of the things that's happened all the time this season is we've conceded way too many goals from individual defensive mistakes and that wasn't the case in this game, um, which I, I think is is broadly fair enough. But David De Gea received a great deal of criticism, uh, particularly for the second goal, the Sergio Aguero goal. What did you make of the criticism well, he's got a hand to it. I mean, Aguero's obviously hit it extremely early and extremely cleanly, and uh, Aguero does a lot of keepers with how uh, how quickly he takes shots and the low back lift. He does it all the time, and he's uh, he's absolutely spanked that one. But obviously, a keeper of De Gea's quality, where he's got a hand to it, or you know, an outside of a glove thread to it, uh, <laughs> he's probably disappointed he didn't do better. But I'm sure he's been surprised by the ferocity of the shot. I don't think there's a lot of criticism from keepers out there, was there? Not that I saw, I anyway. I didn't, didn't see much criticism from keepers. I just saw some criticism of people uh, saying it was pretty terrible goalkeeping. But to me, I, I'm not an expert in goalkeeping by any means, but to me it looked like it was just a failure of David De Gea's usual superhuman reflexes that he couldn't get that. And I, I can't imagine that many goalkeepers would have been like thoroughly disappointed by not not saving that shot given given the speed of it and like you said the the low back lift i mean i guess you you could argue well he should probably be expecting a snapshot there from aguero um but you know uh, i mean it, it's david de gea has saved united so many ridiculous numbers of points it doesn't mean he's immune from criticism but i don't know it it wasn't like that was what the game turned on was it uh, no, I mean, no, no. I mean, they were just so dominant anyway. Um, obviously, obviously, if we'd been able to field, um, bring Fellaini on at 2-1 rather than starting him, then the game would have turned and United would have probably won this game. But, oh, yeah. but Mourinho's hand was forced... Uh, I, I'm, it, was probably some, it was probably some election officials coming up with fake votes uh, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean the the thing about it infected, is infected votes. Fr- Fred was on the bench, which is fake a bit news. Weird. Fake news. No, he wasn't. S- 
Sanchez was on the bench, even though he's been leading the line, like, I think really quite effectively. Um, it was a bit weird, I thought. It's a bit of a weird, it's a bit of a weird decision, especially, well, I mean, to be fair to Mourinho, he, maybe he was listening to the Rankcast and he was listening to you having a massive pop at him for not giving Rashford enough chance. Uh, he he got a chance. I mean, forward. He, he didn't have a good game, Rashford, but none of the front, I mean, Marcel scored and didn't have a good game either. The, the, the problem was the setup was one team, which was the hair, the back four and the midfield three, <laughs> space, space, the distance between here and Alpha Centauri, and then the front three. You know, it, it was just so insane. It was so dumb. The only way United could have played and got anything to the front three with any kind of regularity would have just been go long, you know, just hoof it. In which case, yeah. Fellaini should have played there. I mean, you could say you could hoof it into the channels behind the, in the space that their fullbacks leave when they push on, but, you know... That's a team that's very well drilled to then cover its own space, isn't it? And it's got Fernandinho in there and the centre-backs are obviously comfortable 1v1. And, you know, I, I, it just looked it just looked like a total mismatch. But it's fine because the only reason it's a total mismatch is because City are a bunch of corrupt cheats. So we can always console ourselves with that. Have we got a T-shirt printed yet? Uh, what is it? U-N-I-T-E-D, we comply with FFP. <laughs> desperate um yeah look uh this is the i'm sure everyone's read it the the spiegel leak that uh, city have not been complying with ffp and and in fact were being uh pretty devious in trying to hoodwink uefa into saying they had done but we've known this all along you know they've got yeah. they are owned by the Abu Dhabi royal family and most of their sponsors are related even if they circuitously try and claim they're not so and yeah then- so I guess the thing about the De Spiegel story was not so much that City have been trying to pull the wool over UEFA's eyes. It's more that UEFA have like grabbed the brim of their woolen hat and deliberately pulled it over their own eyes in the form of uh, current FIFA president uh, Infantino. I just blanked on his first name there. That's why you heard a weird pause. Gianni, but, you know, Gianni Infantino. Um, he. He seems to have been in some way complicit with this. There was some leaked emails celebrating the death of an FFP um, compliance guy. You know, it's, it's all very ugly and, and sort of insidery in a way that I, I suppose what we've sort of generally assumed about City and PSG is that they're just basically thumbing their noses at UEFA saying, eh, we don't really care. You're probably not going to do anything about this. But it seems like they were definitely getting word from inside UEFA saying, ah, don't worry about it. We're not going to do anything about this. Yeah, I mean, it was Platini's baby. Platini went down and yeah, it, the passion has not been carried on uh, from the rest of uh, from his followers, you know. And it, it's, it's desperately sad because... Uh, FAP or some form of financial control is needed for a, a few reasons. You know, one is to ensure that uh, clubs don't overspend and they need protection from themselves, and we have a very long history of that. Maybe, you know, maybe we're not looking at the Premier League right now, right? This is we're not likely to see Leeds Mark Two come up uh, because the cash flow is so strong. Um, well, you know, we'll see. Someone could go mental, Fulham or someone. Um, that's one. And then the other is the level playing field, which is not exactly how FFP was brought into play, right? That that wasn't the argument necessarily from Platini that this was about a level playing field. Um, and clearly we don't, we, we don't have that and we're not going to get it. 
and um, until until the powers in football uh, believe that they have a role to play as governors of the world's most popular sport for the good of the game, um, which I don't, I would say, is not going to come anytime soon, uh, and not until houses are cleared all over the planet, which is not anytime soon. Then you know we're not likely to get a, a governing body that really deeply cares about this. You know. No, I found it quite hard to get um, too worked up in any way about all this stuff, really, to be honest. It's, none of it is surprising. We've sort of known this is going on. And also the fact that the focus of all of this stuff has been on the relationship between these clubs and FFP is like an instant kind of interest killer in a way because I don't think there's any real evidence that FFP was ever particularly fair or it wasn't just like pulling up the drawbridge on the big money to the clubs that were already there and those sorts of things. So I do have kind of some sympathy with that argument. The thing that I think is more relevant in terms of City that is hardly getting talked about still, although there was some coverage today because Amnesty International said, you know, people should be worried about uh, what they called sport washing which is the kind of cleansing of blood via the medium of investment in sport, which mm-hmm. is which is a huge, huge thing. And, and you know, I, I would certainly get more... Um, I find that to be a lot more upsetting than the fact that they've been dodgy about FFP, which I'm not sure is any fair in the first place. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, a few points to make there. I, I think you're right that uh, FFP was also locking in the power of the big clubs, um, so there's an argument that says, well, it, it stops uh, up-and-coming clubs investing in the future. Uh, true. Uh, but that's uh, always that's always the case with any kind of financial control. Uh, you have to find other creative ways to grow your revenue base before you can do it. Um, there, there may well be better ways of doing this than, uh, than FFP, you know. Mo- most leagues around the world have a salary cap as a principal way of ensuring some kind of fairness. Um, that's the first one. Second one on, on the Abu Dhabi um, human rights records. Uh, for sure, while well, we did a whole backers, um, backers segment on this a little while back. And, and, of course, whenever a United fan talks about it, it sounds like sour grapes in some way. Uh, and I do wonder what the... I mean, I'm not saying you and I um, would wash over this if the ball was on the other foot, but I'm sure a significant proportion of the United supporter base would do. They'd just say... Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Football and politics don't mix. Uh, much in the same way, um, 99% of City's followers just couldn't care less about the horrendous human rights abuse uh, that has taken place and does take place uh, in the UAE. You know, this is uh, far from the world's nicest democracy. Of course, there are, there are some even worse ones out there. Um, and some of which have been speculated to uh, have an interest in buying United. Yeah, well, I was going to say we're going to find out what's going to happen when the shoe's on the other foot at some point, aren't we? Pro- probably. You would imagine that at some point the Glazers will sell Man United and it will be to someone with uh, sovereign wealth or close to it. At, you, you know, there's a certain logic to that, isn't there? A certain ugly, depressing, dystopian logic. Yeah. Sadly, I haven't made billions yet. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe yeah. it'll happen one day. Yeah. yeah. Keep it up. Patreon.com slash Rankcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's crowd let's crowdfund the takeover. Um, Just the four to four point five billion we'd need. Uh, do you remember when that guy tried to crowdfund Ronaldo's return? Yeah. 
that was that was weird. Um, anyway, uh, United were terrible. City are morally indefensible, but really good at football. Um, and uh, yeah, and you, see, you see, you see, you shouldn't, you shouldn't even, you shouldn't even acknowledge that's the truth because you're you're just uh, participating in the sport washing there. Yeah, I guess I am. Um, the uh, I'm not sport washing Mourinho though. He's he's full of nonsense. Um, he's just a ridiculous man. But he's clearly you know you know we were talking about early in the season how it would be better if a cat took over. Um, <laughs> were we? It, it, uh, I I've definitely said that to at least one person. Um, uh, but you know pretty much a and other would have been preferable to Mourinho after the West Ham game. Since then, I think. I think, um, as I mentioned either last week or the week before, you know, definitely wrong in a way about the level to which the dressing room had turned on him because there has been no shortage of endeavour, positive attitude, um, apparent togetherness on the pitch, all of these kind of things that you look for. Um, Whether this is just, you know, uh, somewhat temporary, I I think it's inevitable. I think it would be absolutely disastrous if Mourinho had another season in charge of United um, and it's pretty upsetting that he's going to get the rest of this one but given that Edward Wood is pretty definitely a coward um, he would need a, a jolly jolly good reason to get rid of Mourinho in mid-season and I think this run of results has, has meant that that isn't going to happen and we're, he's with us till May now. Yeah, I, I suspect that's um, that's true, or, or till whenever United don't make the top four. Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's seven points to the top four right now. That's a kind of worryingly large gap, given United's inability to uh, collect points with any kind of frequency. Um, yeah, as we said, we've got um, Arsenal, Liverpool coming before Christmas, but actually a whole bunch of decent fixtures. So United could bridge that gap. At some point, um, uh, it's within any any couple of wins of of the top four, and Mourinho's going to be um, he's going to be manager. It would it would take something really significant for for that to change, and and so you know I think we can probably put that to bed until uh, United uh, are cannot qualify for the Champions League, and then I'm sure that uh, Mourinho has a clause in his contract. Uh, much in the way that other United managers have, uh, and that'll be the opportunity to fire him without paying him off. You know, the league table, it's not just the seven points off the top four, which is obviously bad. That's that's really damning, but but there's the, the, the subtleties of it even more damning. A negative goal difference uh, after 12 games of the season. Like, there's no way... That's acceptable for United to have a negative goal difference after 12 games. I mean, City have got a, a plus 31 goal difference, but if you kind of write them off even, the kind of the other regular teams, Liverpool have plus 18, Chelsea have plus 19, um, Spurs and Arsenal have lost five games between them. We've already lost four games. Um, neither, of course, none of Chelsea, Liverpool or City have lost yet. So this season... In the season in which we're currently eighth has seen a kind of almost record-setting um, imbalance in points between the top of the league and the lower-down teams. So that, that basically the, the top teams have been sweeping all before them, except for United, who have just been unable to sustain any momentum or performance level or anything like that. So it's not like 
it's been a particularly difficult start with the fixtures or, you know, we've had a couple of tough games in those 12 games, but you would expect that after like almost a third of a season, you'd have had a couple of tough games. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible. It's rubbish. United starts the season. It's been sound rubbish. like you've got the raving needle there, man. I've got, the, I've got. The, I listen to be honest. I've got the raving hump. I've got the raving needle. Um, yeah. When's the last time United finished a season with a negative goal difference? I don't think it'll happen. No, I'm sure it won't. But when? I mean, I'd like to know when the last time they got to 12 games with a negative goal difference was. Must be a long, long, long time ago. Unless it was like. 2013-14, which it might well have been. Yeah. I mean, look, I have to say this, this was, I'd say the second most depressing game of the season so far. The, the first is the West Ham game because it was just, I'd, 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 as I've said before, I'd have shot him there uh, like, uh, like a uh, Republican candidate for uh, Congress said this week. Uh, I'd have joined a, uh, a public hanging. That's disgusting, by the way, that quote. Look it up. Um, but, yeah, after that West Ham game, I'd quite happily strung Mourinho up. Um, that was just the worst thing I'd ever seen from a Manchester United manager. Even Moyes didn't do anything like that. Uh, but this was the second worst because it was City and we were so thoroughly, so thoroughly outclassed. I mean, the, the thing is, we've been thoroughly outclassed a number of times by City in recent years, but not all the time. And and definitely not um, two and a half years into a manager's reign, having, you know, not quite matched them for spending, but hardly been dramatically outstripped. And we would have spent way more money if the manager hadn't been so insistent on only wanting to sign 29-year-olds with absolutely no commercial or resale value. You know, um, I don't know. I, I, I get why people defend him because football is so insanely tribal, but... I think he's just beyond defending as a United manager, to be honest. It's just beyond defending as a human, isn't he? <laughs> he's definitely not my favourite human. Uh, but some of my favourite humans are the listeners of this podcast. And I believe that they've been in touch with us with uh, with some questions. Yeah, a few of them. Um, it's not going to be pretty reading, you realise this? Yeah, obviously. All right, so John Firth, that's at John Firth 19 says, who realistically on this earth could be available to replace Matic and Smalling? It's just irreplaceable, the two of them. Uh, who, who, who? I've got no idea. So, um, someone good? Uh, by the way, I mean, uh, talking about Smalling here, uh, like a word for Victor Lindelof and his progress, because yeah, um, he, he's, he's, he's solidly in the team and he's performing well. Yeah, shout out to Michael Farrar who um sent uh, sent us a lovely email um after the Juventus United game. Um saying uh, can we have a shout out for Victor Lindelof's performance because yeah, absolutely. He's he's been he's really growing into a fine fine defender either in a big purple patch or it turns out he was good after all and I suspect it's the latter given his career history. Mm. Continuing a theme, Crossy FA says, what does Matic do other than run around like a really, 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 really slow headless chicken? <laughs> Didn't he used to be good on the ball? He used to be good on the ball, not anymore. He's not I mean, even maybe, that now, is he? Maybe he's just exhausted and in terrible form um, because 
I don't think he's been this bad consistently at too many points in his career, but he's 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 struggling terribly at the moment. Uh, much respect to him, though, for his um, public statement about his personal decisions vis-a-vis the not wearing of overtly political statements on his shirt. Yes, not joining the uh, nationalism campaign that we have this time of year. I haven't. I, I make this kind of statement every year around this time of year, and I haven't once got any hate mail. Like if I if I uh, tweeted in support of Wayne Rooney, I'd get several pieces of death threats and you know <laughs> horses' heads and the whole lot of it. But uh, yeah, make a uh, you know a a, a a snowflake statement about uh, poppies and uh, nothing. Good. I'm glad. It's Getting soft, good. the people out there are. Yeah, that's what we like. Paddy Velvet Revolver with a three. Uh, says, can we have our club kitman not polish the players' shoes? This is the only thing I can think of that can possibly be the reason for our players' horrendous first touches. Surely it's not the coaching or training. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. We need Albert back. It's not Fergie. That's not what changed. Because as well as David Gill and Alex Ferguson and Mike Phelan and Rene Moulinstein and, you know, the... the uh, the peak of Nemanja Vidic and Vidic, Rio Ferdinand and the heart of Robin Van Persie. The other thing that left when Fergie left was, of course, Albert the Kitman. Yeah, uh, sandpaper on the boots works a treat. On a scale of surely, one to ten. Sh- surely not on like those pink Adidas Predators. Surely sandpaper would just remove them altogether. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much to these boots anymore. Not, not like a proper football boot when I played. <laughs> Actual leather and black. I shouldn't think we should go back to that. And 1 to 11. I really like those pink Predator boots, by the way. I think they're well gorgeous. On a scale of 1 to 10, says Owen0787, how annoying is it to see Fernandinho out Taz Herrera? <laughs> Outplayed him as well, to be fair. He did, but lots of criticism, mostly, I think, from Duncan Castles and happy to jump on the bad wagon United fans for uh, Guardiola's disgusting tactical fouling. Oh, that's the only reason they win anything, isn't it? Tactical fouling. <laughs> that's, that's it, yeah. I mean, you know, he's uh, he, he is a man of great detail, Guardiola. Um, uh, Danny Alves gave an interview, I think, in 442, was it this month, when he, he was saying that uh, he learned uh, how to play the game of football without the ball from Guardiola, you know, because he's so detail-oriented about everything. Anyway, uh, Level 2 Rogue, friend of the show, says, uh, oh, do you I think the media is largely ignoring the city's cheating because no one gives dot, 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 dot About City. Yeah, this is about the uh, financial fair play. Uh, Matt Fagnor on Twitter says, not sure about your broadcast, but here in America, broad, we're broadcasters, Paul. That <laughs> makes it sound important. Uh, but here in America, never once was the tampering and cheating by City mentioned. Uh, so on and so on. I don't so think on, he was so referring on. to us. I don't think he was referring to us as the broadcast. I think he meant the broadcast we were watching. Just to ah. clarify. Let's yeah. um, put us back it... in our box, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear it mentioned, but that's because I had the whole thing on mute because football television coverage has become absolutely insufferable to me. The only bit where I unmuted it was when all the city fans were singing, "You live in the past, just like Scousers. You live in the past," which. I have to say, made me laugh quite a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <Oof. laughs> 
Ben Hudson, at Benny Hudson, says, if Jose was in charge of City, we get a lot of questions like this, obviously. If Jose was in charge of City, how long would it take him to convince 50% of their fan base that their players aren't good enough? (laughs) About 20 minutes. About No, not 20 minutes. No, it would take him a season where they'd win the league and then he'd chuck the league the next season and, and blame the same players who inexplicably stopped being men in the in-between time. <laughs> yeah. um, to, to kind of answer the questions that were asked about FFP, um, I think it's an unsexy subject. FFP, I think the scale of the moral crime is very questionable. Um, I think, like I said earlier, that, that much more upsetting is how the sport washing is so utterly successful in terms of the broadcast media, that there is absolutely no attention whatsoever paid to why the City project exists in the No, right. And we saw this with the World Cup as well. In in fact, it's different journalists that look at the sports side of things and the political side of things. And there's not a lot of focus on the political side of things either. No. Uh, And by the way, by the way, United's ownership, massive donors to Trump, who uh, I have absolutely no doubt is uh, not at all interested in human rights. And we've seen the disgusting human rights abuses of his regime um, in the form of separating mothers and babies and the way they talk about um, immigrants. And, you know, so like United aren't clean either. Uh, Certainly not. Uh, and I wouldn't pretend uh, that we are. Uh, we also have Saudi money coming in, by the way, so um, through sponsorship uh, and a strategic partnership with the uh, Sports Authority. Gavin Parsons, uh, Gavla86, says... Gavla! La! After supporting the club for a lifetime, how can we wean ourselves off United when the Saudis take over? I oh, know, it's like, I, I listen, l- look forward to... I don't know, FC United cast or whatever we turn into, but I, 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 we might, we might give it a season of transition just as a kind of thank you to all the listeners, but there's no way I'm doing a United podcast every week if we're owned, outright owned by a bunch of human rights abusers. Like, no way. Compartmentalisation or something like that. No, I think, yeah, I think I be complicit in the sport washing. Exactly. Yeah, that would be too much, I think. Is Ashley Young... The, really the closest thing we have to a captain's presence in the squad, says Nightwink99. I don't that's, think that's he wink. is. Yeah, Nightwink. I remember Nightwink99 from back in the good old days when I used to have a Twitter account. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Ashley Young turns out to be he's quite a good sort of senior figure in the dressing room. It was, you know, like I said, Ashley Young with a captain's assist. He, he stepped up in Turin like all great United captains do and single-handedly dragged his team to victory. Yeah, uh, talk about him getting a new contract at United. (laughs) We're a joke. We're such a joke. I've got nothing against Ashley Young, but the fact that this is really a thing, Ashley Young's new contract is going to be a thing, it's just hilarious. I I was listening to the uh, US, or watching the US broadcast, uh, at the weekend of the game, uh, and Graham Lasso was on there. Uh, well, you know, and he's he's actually a good pundit, Graham Lasso. He's he's not yeah. very exciting as a pundit, but he he offers some analysis, uh, and uh, he spent quite a lot of time talking about what a bad fullback Ashley Young is, um, and not in a Sunesi kind of way. Uh, 
Um, and then, of course, he popped up with a worldie of a cross to get United. Oh, no, no, that was against Juve, wasn't it? Different but, game. Yeah, different game. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, Ashley Young has done very well against some very quality players, but he was not able to cope with City. I mean, lots of better fullbacks than him have not been able to cope with City as well, to be fair. All right, a couple more. Uh, these are both for you, I think. Uh, Alec Hudson, who uh, was the. Uh, guy who pointed out exactly how long United would have had to play to have a 95% chance of scoring. Uh, Ali had 42 on Twitter says, why do all the balls go missing when we need them most? <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> um, and finally, from uh, Thomas Diedrich, question of the week, I think, uh, Dida56 on Twitter says, uh, since Stan Lee passed away, which United player, past or present, would best represent a Marvel superhero? Well, I think... I think- Oh, Roy Keane is definitely Wolverine. Like this is this is absolutely never. In fact, do you know what I'm going to do right now? While we do this, I'm going to type in Bleacher Report. <laughs> Did you write a Paul piece on this? And Sorge, Manchester United superheroes, and I'm going to tell you my list. Uh, uh, by, remember- by the way, I think one matter might be Deadpool uh, because did you see him take on uh, Raheem Sterling at the weekend <laughs> with a little glint in his eye as well? <laughs> All right, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo is Superman because just as the yellow sun of the earth bestows that's, that's special DC, powers. DC, not, not, not Marvel. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Well, Paul Scholes, I went with Iron Man because he's got that kind of satellite laser targeting system technology. Are these A lot of the... Ca- Captain Marvel, Brian Robson. Obviously. One, one for the kids there. Ryan Giggs is Spider-Man, you see. A teenage superstar, incredibly fluid in motion, who occasionally changed from a red suit into a black suit in the 90s. Also DC. Spider-Man is not DC, Ed. Is he not? Oh, no. No. All right. right. No, that's Batman. That's Batman. Yeah. I went with with David Beckham as Batman because he's sort of a millionaire playboy who's sort of (laughs) self-made. This all makes sense. Professor X was Fergie, obviously, because he, um, not just because he was a leader, but he was a great leader who assembled group after group of incredibly talented youngsters into more than the sum of their parts. A man capable of using his mind to manipulate his opponents, forcing them to say and do things that were out of character. A man whose aura was so powerful it could bend the fabric of time itself. See? Eric Cantona, you wouldn't like him when he's angry. He's the Hulk. And yeah, Roy Keane as Wolverine. Uh, Some classic listicle content for you there, Ed. Some vintage Ansorge. You do it so well. Thanks, bro. Well, that, that's uh, that's it for questions. Uh, I think that's it for the show, isn't it? <laughs> are we done? I don't, I don't mean the whole Permanently. show forever. Yeah, well, that's oh, it. We're, we're <laughs> quitting. We're done. Keep <laughs> <laughs> Mourinho. No. Uh, just, we I, don't know what we're doing during uh, international we, break. What's the record number of bleeps that Tom has ever had to produce? I mean, it's a lot because you swear all the time, even though you know it means more work for Tom. <laughs> I, I read an article Tommy's uh, somewhat younger than us somewhat and uh, I read an article this week uh, uh, about uh, someone who went to an adulting class for millennials apparently this is how to be an adult I thought this was what your parents did but apparently not millennials um, need to go to classes to learn how to function as humans I mean to be fair if you Parents aren't always, like, the parents of our generation didn't necessarily impart the best advice and guidance. I don't know if you could even possibly relate to that in any way, Ed. don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So um, thank you for listening. There's an international break. Then we're playing Young Boys and Crystal Palace. I think we're going to try and do some preview coverage during the international break, but not totally sure about that. And, and these are not exactly games that we're going to be desperate to preview, are they? So if you don't get a preview of that, we will be back after probably after the Young Boys game um, with coverage of both of those games which i guess will both be united wins and oh, uh, by no the doubt. way that heavy united that, wins that juventus result was massive we didn't even talk about this but yeah, it's yeah absolutely massive because not because we're going to go through to the next round which is fine whatever but we're not going to go into the europa league which that's i mean we might do if we mess up from here but we're in a very good position not to finish third in the group which is the disaster scenario no that's right uh, and by the way uh while we were chatting uh, i uh, have scrolled back through previous manchester united seasons I think it's 1979, the last time United finished with a negative goal difference, uh, in in which uh, we finished ninth. Ninth, which which is like looking pretty spot on for this season, to be fair. I mean, I strongly, strongly, strongly suspect we're going to finish between sixth and fourth this season. I, I, I think we're going to pick up tons and tons and tons of wins because we've got so much attacking talent in the squad. Um, But, and and hammered Mourinho, but it was really unfortunate that Pogba was missing for the City game. That that was he is so 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 important. But his hair. Us. But his hair. <laughs> but his funny run up. Did you see the MLS guy? Yeah, the yeah. MLS guy did the jumping run up. <laughs> Martinez for uh, at, at uh, Atlanta United. Yeah, uh, we we didn't talk about this. We did a segment on um, MLS for the backers, uh, and we forgot to mention that they are managed by Tata Martino. Um, so, yeah, yeah, pretty you know heavyweight managerial talent there in the MLS. That was just incredible. Everyone, go if you haven't. I'm sure you have seen it, but if, if you haven't, check that penalty out. Yes, absolutely remarkable. Perfectly anyway. legal because he's not stopped his run. No, he's. He, in fact, it was a kind of preemptive on, in honor of Stan Lee. This was kind of like emulating a superhero and sort of flying and landing on the ball and putting it in the back. And no point does it say that you uh, have to have two feet on the ground or anywhere no. near it. No, absolutely. All right. Uh, Thanks, everyone. I will see you next week. See you around. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rankcast, which is brought to you, as always, by the good people who choose to back us at patreon.com slash rankcast. Uh, You can get involved there in order to help support the show and keep it ad-free, which it's going to be forever, because I don't like adverts, um, and I think they're bad. Anyway, uh, if you want to get involved, you can head over to patreon.com slash rankcast, and if you back us at $5.00, um a month plus VAT or above uh you will be in receipt of some bonus content every week and this week uh, in tribute to Stanley we had a ramshackle chat about a load of stuff connected to him and comics in general the hulk spider-man uh the x-men um the black panther like basically the whole all the cast of the marvel cinematic universe who are the kind of main the sort of main thrust of popular culture in the here and now doctor strange um iron man of course if i didn't already mention just i mean the the list is absolutely like basically every x-men character and every x-men villain and just just pages and pages and but the silver surfer and the fantastic four and you know it, it's a uh, it's an unbelievable... Basically, if you name a Marvel superhero, there's like a 75% chance that Stan Lee either created him or, or her or was involved in their creation. 
and relatively progressive for his time as well you know was actually quite interested in representation and and was uh, was a pretty adamantly anti-racism um as well as as a person which is you know